is in the moment where I don't know if we're totally live yet, but I think generally when I click go live, that's when it starts. We are definitely live. Welcome everyone to yet another session of the Data on Kubernetes community. We've got tons of live streams going on right now, which is good. Most people are taking it easy in August, but we're just going strong and going even stronger day by day. Very, very nice to have all of you with us. Couple of announcements before we start. As usual, I have to say this. I don't know why, but I do. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, we couldn't make it easier for you. You're on YouTube already. Just click that red button, jump in on your fake accounts and click it again so that we get more subscribers. We got 300 new subscribers yesterday. Big shout out to Kunal Kushwaha for making that happen. Um, and anyway, we've got tons of things coming on YouTube, whether it's tutorials, whether it's wraps, we're gonna have some new stuff coming out soon with our visual learning dictionary uh, to make these concepts a little bit more tangible. Probably going to get some ideas for that today when we're talking about metrics. Um, always good things to have there. But one of the other things that we want to mention is we've been we've been putting a lot of stuff about this on Twitter. Also, if you're not following us on Twitter, please do so. Um, is that we have our CFP open for KubeCon, right? Which I'm going to share right here. Um, and so we will be celebrating our KubeCon co-located event on October 12th, it will be 100% virtual and it will almost certainly, just like this session as we promoted We Are Tonight in social media, it will be 100% free, right? So that's that's another good piece of news. We'll be encouraging folks to donate um, some money, but but like I said, we, we wanna make this as open and accessible as possible. So like I said, CFP has been left in the chat. Really quick thing about that. It's not just any CFP for Kubernetes. We're talking about data on Kubernetes. We're talking about stateful workloads. We're talking about databases. We're talking about operators, things that you frequently see in our community, right? If you're not sure if your topic's good or not, just reach out, contact me on Slack. I'd be more than happy to help you get a little bit of clarity. We're also prioritizing end user talks, right? So we want to try to avoid vendor pitches and really focus on end users to see how these technologies are being applied right, in real life, right? So like I said, that's that's also up there. Um, hopefully we are, we'll send in a CFP. Our speaker is an amazing person uh, who is located in the Netherlands. We will all probably learn something today about the Netherlands. It's an amazing country. If you haven't visited yet, you definitely need to do so whenever you can in this very weird 2021 that we're going through. But I'm a big fan of the Netherlands and I'm gonna be so brave because it's very difficult to speak Dutch correctly. Your last name, is that connected to the Rijksmuseum that's also in Amsterdam or has no connection to that whatsoever? Oh, uh, good question. Uh, I don't terribly know. terribly wrong. Uh, it, it could be. Uh, well, it could let's be. just pretend it is, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we are, you work at an amazing company called Fullstack. Your job title is buzzword engineer. So we get to decide what we're going to call you. That's fun yeah. too. You also have some eyes next to your name in, in social media, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, et cetera. That's cool too. And as one of your colleagues, Tim, shout out to Tim, said that they also call you a wizard. So you've got a lot of yeah. explaining to do. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you in the Netherlands? What's going on? Yeah, so um, I live near Breda, more left in it, a small, uh, small part. And uh, well, the wizard name, yeah. I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm totally fan of it, but uh, it's it's Weart is my first name, and Wizard is like the one-on-one -on -one thing they make. Um, uh, I, I see it as a compliment. So uh, oh. yeah, I definitely use it that people yeah. call me that. Um, uh, the eyes, yeah, that's on LinkedIn. Uh, it, it's actually mainly because it's in front of my name. Uh, so if some recruiter contacts me. Uh, they often include those eyes, and I know, yeah, 
you are not for real. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's my pro tip. Uh, at, at a smiley, and you know if someone is serious uh, about messaging you. Uh, so yeah, but that's a small part uh, about me. Oh, very small part, because we got some other things we want to mention. You've got some really cool stuff behind you. Um, uh, <laughs> that I, before, we, before we started, I was like, we're definitely going to have to talk about that. Um, we've got a, a custom-made met, full metal minion, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Gotta, if I forget, I please, I will apologize in advance. <laughs> I got to put that in the wrap for sure. You've got a full metal minion. What's next to the full metal minion? Is that, what's, what's next to that? Uh, that's a Raspberry Pi Kubernetes cluster. Ooh, yeah. very fancy. And what do you have ready yeah. on there? What, what's going on there? What are you doing? Uh, at the moment, nothing. Uh, but I've used it to but it looks uh, cool. just play with yeah. uh, Kubernetes and okay. it definitely looks, uh, looks really cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Was it relatively easy to get that set up just for folks that are out there and maybe want to try? Um, yeah, I think nowadays there are a lot of guides on how to use a Raspberry Pi to, to set up a, a Kubernetes cluster. And, yeah. um, I think it's totally a bit doable. Even if you haven't even touched Kubernetes yet, uh, just buy a few pies. Uh, it doesn't cost that much. And uh, yeah, definitely go, go play with it. It's, yeah, uh, that's cool. I think it's nice because it shows that even at entry level, there's accessibility here. And like you said, there's yeah. some good guides. The ones that I've seen are frequently from a, a person called Alex Ellis, who's based in the UK. He's got yeah. a lot. I'm just saying a big shout out to Alex. He's a fellow CNCF ambassador. Um, yeah, but sure. anyway, tons of resources. That way people get more hands-on experience. Yep. Then I see what is above that. What's in the box that says? Oh, James yeah, May? It's, yeah, yeah, James May. So from Top Care, uh, uh -huh. and uh, he always had this expression like "oh cock," you know, when shit hits the fan. And uh, he likes to cook, so he made a book that's called "Oh Cook." <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I love that dude. Uh, okay, <laughs> it's really okay. great. And yeah. there are there are good recipes in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> they are good. Yeah, that's good. And then, uh, of course, we have the artistic middle finger that's there. <laughs> just, yeah, just as a very subtle message. Yeah, um, I, I can use. Uh, I can change the fingers to, to do any expression. So <laughs> sometimes it's like the piece or this one, and, and now it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So depending, depending on your mood, yeah. and then what's at the very top? What's that thing at the very top? Um, uh, it, it's a plant. <laughs> Ah, that's a plant. I, 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 I don't really have a background story on that. It's it's uh, uh, something my girlfriend uh, placed there because uh, uh, <laughs> my room was a little bit uh, empty. Yeah, uh, and now I have uh, something living. Yeah, I, yeah, it's still alive. Uh, it's something living in my room. That's good. Yeah. yeah, plants are cool. That's that's good. Nice sure. oxygen source. Now let, let's get a, a little more centered on the talk today. Your t-shirt, right? So on your t-shirt, what's going on there? Can you just give us a little bit of background about your experience as an engineer, how you ended up getting this world of Prometheus and Thanos that we're going to be looking at more deeply today? Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, I started off as a, as a programmer, like uh, I guess 10 years ago. And uh, often I noticed that I, I had to fix a lot of things also on the surface side. And, uh, well, I, I actually love doing that, uh, to play with servers and, like, like really the hardware and stuff. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And over time, I just moved more to the, to the ops side, and uh, that was great. And then this DevOps thingy arrived, um, and I started doing DevOps whatever that is and um 
yeah, I mean, that, that was really great. And eventually I met uh, the people at Fullstack. I started working there and doing more things in, in the cloud native uh, parts and really into Kubernetes. Yeah. Uh, but I still had the love for monitoring and things like that. And I always have used Prometheus and also other tools for monitoring. And um, what basically got me hooked is that it's open source. Yep. Uh, which is really great because uh, sometimes you run into issues and if you have like a vendor, um, you have to make an issue. Then you have to wait a uh, half a year. And with open source, I can check into the source code and perhaps I can fight my issue, um, fix it for a project. And I mean, I really love that idea, you know, to, to have a community with like-minded people. And I mean, uh, that's why I still, stick with the Prometheus ecosystem um, because they're all awesome people, really friendly. Uh, it's the same with the data on Kubernetes community. I mean, uh, so many lovely people. And mm -hmm. I mean, that keeps you hooked uh, to these things. And uh, yeah, this t-shirt is from Red Hat um, and it includes uh, the Prometheus uh, operator, uh, Prometheus and uh, Thanos on top, uh, on the bottom, actually. Um, yeah, and it was a gift from KubeCon, uh, okay. previous KubeCon. Okay, yeah. very, very good. With that that being said, nice background. One quick yes. question, though. You mentioned about recruiters sending you the eyeballs when they contact you. Did Fullstack yeah. do that, or was that the, the, the key to your heart? Sorry, I can When Fullstack contacted you to recruit you to work for them, ah. did they say, eyeballs, we are, hey, how's it going? Uh, no, uh, at the time I didn't have the eyeballs, uh, okay. but I, I know for sure they were uh, following uh, my work already. And uh, uh, yeah, they offered me a lunch. So a free lunch, I'm Dutch. I mean, that's always good, you know. <laughs> this is a quick note. Yeah. Dutch people love free stuff. All right. There's yeah. a big debate as to whether the word gratis, uh, in Spain we say gratis, whether it comes from Dutch or it comes from Spanish, but Dutch people love free stuff. It's the same word in both yeah. countries. Um, so yeah, if you want to hire a Dutch person, if you can throw in a free lunch, that's gonna that's gonna help out. That's good. Okay, cool, man. Uh, let, I'll take you can you can take over from here. As a reminder, cool. folks that are that are watching, feel free to leave your questions in the chat. We will try to get to them in the session, and if not, we can continue the conversation on Slack. Go for it. All right. Uh, let me start sharing first. Okay. All right. If everything went well, you can see my screen right now, I guess. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, the, the talk, highly available, plug wall, long-term storage, metrics for everyone. Uh, long title, uh, but I think it captured the moment uh, quite well. Uh, yeah, about me. I think we have uh, already discussed this part. Uh, perhaps the, the little part that was missed is uh, I also do a little bit of hacking. Um, well, the, the legit hacking then, um, I'm on Hacker One. Um, I, I like to do these things. I think it's viable to uh, be aware of security in a general sense. And being on the, the attacking side provides value for yourself on the defense side, I, I always think. So, um, I mean, I really like doing these things. Um, also because you can get bounties. Uh, money. Yes, I'm Dutch, so uh, <laughs> we also keep using that. 
Um, yeah, I think we covered the most part of uh, my own introduction. So let's just keep going. And I know this talk is going to be about uh, tunnels, but um, we really should start with Prometheus first because uh, Prometheus is like I've thought before, the, the Prometheus ecosystem is such an important part about what we are doing with, with metrics. And uh, Thanos is basically uh, a part on top of Prometheus or on the side, uh, depends on how you look at it. Um, and this is really important. So I would like to take a few steps back and go over what are metrics and how does Prometheus work, because this gives an understanding about the problems that Thanos is trying to solve or is solving, actually. Uh, yeah, this is an HTTP page with some text, but actually these are metrics. So we have an instrumented system or application which can expose metrics. I mean, most modern tools nowadays expose these metrics on the metric path. And this is really important because uh, it tells us something about our application, about our system, and we can observe these things. Uh, but we want to fetch these metrics and that's one part where Prometheus steps in. Uh, Prometheus will fetch these metrics over a period of time. And this happens on intervals. So for example, if you have uh, a script duration of 15 seconds, every 15 seconds, Prometheus will fetch this page and it will gather these metrics and uh, store them. And we want to use these metrics to go to something like this. And I, I think this dashboard is uh, pretty well known. It's Grafana. Uh, these are dashboards with uh, this is a dashboard with panels, and it's just a visual representation of our metrics over time. Uh, but behind all these fancy graphs and colors is just basically a, a query to towards Prometheus to fetch these metrics and to visualize this, and that that's quite important. But that's not the only thing that that you can do with Prometheus because we can do alerts. We can create rules uh, based on our metrics and evaluate these over time and, uh, well, uh, give a state to them. Uh, in this case, the, the top one, um, well, the load is above uh, 0.5 and it's in firing state. Uh, basically, this, this alert is now triggered and is firing. Um, <clears throat> and this is just a, a part of the fundament of what Prometheus can do. Uh, this is the top-down view. And like I said before, like in the central part is the Prometheus server. We do this retrieval. So we pull metrics. Uh, we, real, for instance, real quick question. That page. Yeah. Real quick question. In terms of metrics, you know, because uh, we got a question in, in, in YouTube. Um, obviously, we're looking at some here. What are general metrics that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about Kubernetes? Uh, for, for entire Kubernetes, um, yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, that basically comes down on, I mean, this is a really lame answer that I'm going to give you, but we forgive you. The, the, okay. the question you have to ask yourself is, what do you care about? Like, what are your, uh, well, these are also, I guess, buzzwords, but what are your SLA, SLO, SLEs? SLA? Yep. And, and based on 
on those things, you have to figure out which metrics do you need. And it's not the other way around. And um, I mean, I can't blame a lot of people because you have this node export on Kubernetes with exposed like a gazillion of metrics. And then you have to figure out, okay, what metrics are I'm going to use? Uh, but sometimes it's nice to have like all your metrics and then figure out what you're going to do with it later. But um, yeah, basically the short answer is you have to think about what is important to you. Um, yeah, and that depends on the situation. Very, very good. Uh, but fair enough question. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so, so, so we can pull these metrics, right? Um, uh, this happens via jobs and exporters. We can fetch this. And uh, actually, you can also push metrics to the push gateway and fetch the metrics from there. Uh, there are also other solutions, uh, which I'm not really going to cover right now. Um, but how do, do we discover these targets? And this happens via this service discovery. Um, this example includes the Kubernetes. So via the API server of Kubernetes, we can find services, bots, ingresses, basically anything. And we can discover these targets and start scraping them on an interform. And we also have this file SD, which is basically just a static target. Like I got a host here and I placed it in the file SD and I'll just start scraping them. So this is how we retrieve those metrics. And then in the Prometheus server in the middle, you can see this uh, TSDB, which is the time series database. And this just gets stored on the node, on your volume. Uh, on the right side, we have this PromQL, which is the well, the prom query language, which is basically uses a certain language to query on your metrics. Uh, Prometheus has a, a web interface uh, on itself, but I mean, most commonly people are using Grafana. Uh, I mean, Grafana is really awesome in visualizing the data. It's perhaps less awesome to do alerts on, but uh, I mean, those dashboards really look well and lovely colors and uh, visualization aspect is totally Grafana. Uh, so Bart, question for you. Oh, be careful what you <laughs> Now you see that this uh, Prometheus server, right? Yes. And we're on the data on Kubernetes part. And I'm going to talk about tunnels, but if you look at this like top-down view, okay, can you notice something that might be uh, a little bit off in a cloud-native context. Ooh, something that seems a little bit off in a cloud-native context. Is yeah. it referring to something perhaps not being totally open source, something maybe focused more proprietary? Is that seems to be a problem or? Well, well the, well, the hint is, I guess, is data. Okay, we're getting and, data and, and data and potential vendor locking on that data. Um, no, it's, it's more about the TSDB. Yeah, because I, I know you did mention that. Um, yeah. And why that specifically and not something else? Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I don't actually know the answer uh, directly, but um, Pr Prometheus is really well in doing a few things. It, it's really well in scraping targets, like thousands of targets, no problem. It's also really well in storing this data for a, a certain short period of time. And... This TSDB is really optimized for metrics 
over time. I mean, it's a, it's a time series database and it does it really, really well. Um, but but it removes the fact that you can like scale it horizontally because you have to store this data on the disk on itself. Uh, um, th this provides some sort of uh, limitations. Uh, it, I mean, I guess if if Prometheus wasn't there yet and someone would make a a new Prometheus, like have no prior knowledge of Prometheus, I'm not sure if they would do it in the same way because it's not scalable horizontally right now. Um, which, and, obviously, and obviously scalability being a very big thing if we're talking about cloud native. Uh, yeah, especially on, on Kubernetes. When you're Kubernetes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, I guess when you have like uh, stateful data on Kubernetes, you want to just remove one one instance of it and it still keeps running. And this isn't the case with Prometheus, which, which brings me basically to this point. Um, so we are assuming that we are running on Kubernetes where we have multiple nodes, right? And on node one is Prometheus, and on node two, we have four surfaces. And uh, well, something happened. Uh, I don't know who made the mistake, but uh, Prometheus crashed, right? Uh, the entire node one is gone. Uh, and this is actually a problem because uh, one, we aren't scraping those surfaces anymore, but we can also uh, are unable to query our Prometheus anymore to, to gather data. Um, yeah, uh, and this is for now a limitation, but we can actually solve this partially with Prometheus itself, uh, Replica. So we can just add another Prometheus, which is exactly doing the same thing as the other Prometheus. So now we have one node with Prometheus and another node with Prometheus, and both Prometheus are scraping all the surfaces right now. And this works uh, fine, but the Prometheus aren't talking to each other, right? It is not like that Prometheus on node one is saying to the other Prometheus on node two, uh, Yo, wait, I'm doing this. You don't have to do that anymore. They're not talking uh, to each other. They're not aware of each other. Uh, and basically that is the limitation that we're having because if node one is now going down, we are still fine. Uh, we implement a load balancer, and uh, at the moment, if I'm doing a query, I still get the Prometheus on node two. I still get my data. Uh, it's still scraping our targets. Yet, what happens if uh, right? What happens if node one comes back up? Then I still have both Prometheuses, but the Prometheus on node one uh, just is missing data. And we aren't aware of that. It's not like that Prometheus on node two is giving node one Prometheus its data. Like uh, you were offline, uh, here's this part that I scraped while you were on holiday, you know? It's not doing that anymore. So if I'm doing a query and I'm stuck on node one with my uh, session from the load balancer, I'm actually having a gap in my graph. And this might not be a problem for your use case, because if you are using alert manager, uh, it can deal with multiple Prometheuses and it will, it, it is smart enough to find this gap and then uses the data from the other Prometheus. But from a, a visualization endpoint, it's, uh, you have a gap sometimes. And there is also another problem. Um, 
when we have multiple Prometheuses, the, the scrape interval isn't exactly the same. Like if we go back to my first slide with the metric, and we know that Prometheus is scraping that page, it's doing that at an interval, at a random interval, uh, let's say 15 seconds, but it just starts at random. So it could be possible that Prometheus 1 is scraping it at a certain time, and Prometheus 2 is scraping it five seconds later. And this gives inconsistency between your data metrics. Um, so if you implement a load balancer for both Prometheuses and you don't have a sticky session, so you, you switch between every Prometheus, you will have different graphs every time you hit a refresh. Uh, and this can be quite annoying. And let's say I have two clusters and I have just really quick, one. Just really quick, when, yes? you say, when you say annoying, we are, you seem like a person who has different levels of annoying, you know, that, that you can you can diagnose that correctly. As a Dutch citizen, it seems that you must be very good at detecting those kind of things. And I, I say this not half jokingly, but also all these technologies at the end of the day need to relieve some kind of pain point or some kind of frustration. So when we're talking about frustration, what kind of frustration are we talking about? Um, yeah, I guess I couldn't care less, but it's more from the user perspective. So let's say I, I'm managing a platform and I have um, like 400 users that are using dashboards and suddenly they have a, a, a gap in their data. I mean, I will have 100 people at my desk saying this is wrong. Um, uh, and I mean, that's that's like the basic problem. But But on the other side, it's like we are so far with technology. And I don't think it's necessary to have this, this data gap anymore. Um, we, we can do zero downtime deployments and scale and high availability. Um, so why not with Prometheus? And at that sense, it's, I, I mean, I'm not mad because I think Prometheus is really awesome. Mm -hmm. So I can't be mad and that much annoyed. Um, but I, I can understand that it might be an issue for uh, certain workloads and visualizations parts that you want to have this fixed. Yeah. Very good. Great answer. Thank you. Um, I, I, and when we have multiple clusters, um, I have a Prometheus at cluster one and Prometheus at cluster two. And now I want to do a query over all my clusters. I mean, I still have two clusters right now, but let's assume I have 100 clusters and I have 100 of Prometheuses. How I'm, I can't do a query in Prometheus over multiple Prometheuses. And obviously I can use Grafana. I can add this Prometheus from each cluster as a data source. And I can actually do a query over multiple data sources, but it's quite complex. And I want just one unified way to make a query of all my clusters and of all my metrics. That, that's just easy. I'm a programmer. I'm lazy. I want, I want to have it nice and easy. Uh, we still can do this with Prometheus. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. We can do this because we can add a Prometheus like we always do uh, from the Prometheus operator or whatever, how you do it. And there is this configuration for the Kubernetes SD uh, config. So this is a service discovery. And as you can see by the documentation, 
if this part, the API server, is empty, it will assume it's running in its own cluster. But we are able to, to add another job and fill in the API server of an external cluster, and we can scrape this external cluster. But, but now we still have the problem if I have 100 clusters. Uh, I don't, I can't really do cheaply uh, long-term storage on one Kubernetes uh, a Prometheus server. Uh, scalability is still an issue, uh, but the only thing I have resolved is like a uniform way to do my queries for all my Kubernetes clusters. So th this is actually a fair option if you don't want to use any other things other than Prometheus and you want to scrape external services, but you want a unified view, you can use this, no problem at all. Another solution is to use federation. And basically, this means to, to scrape your Prometheus from another Prometheus server. And um, yeah, th this works to some extent because you have to scrape a lot of information. Uh, just a plain Kubernetes cluster with node exporters and for example, eight nodes can provide so much metrics that it takes a while to get the scrape. So, I mean, it's an option. Um, I would not recommend using federation to scrape other Prometheus uh, Kubernetes clusters with it. But it is an option and uh, just to be fair, I want to show this. And well, another solution is to, to have this, this metric endpoint and you expose this VM ingress. So um, you don't have to do anything fancy and you have this single endpoint and you add it as a static target uh, and you can scrape this. Uh, my answer is like, meh. It, it's not something that you want, but it's possible. If you only need one metric on your Kubernetes server, and you want to define this as a static endpoint, uh, you can do this. But I mean, why don't you want to have all your metrics from your cluster? Uh, so I included this as an option, but really, man. And I guess this is part where uh, Thanos comes in. Uh, let's start with Thanos community. Uh, I mean, I really loved to show this because uh, Thanos is fully open source. Uh, it's also a CNCF uh, incubated project. And I, I basically wanted to point this, this part out because there are multiple things that are open source, but I think it's also really important um, who are the people and the companies behind an open source product because um, if you have a really commercial product and it's open source, they can just alter the, um, the the type of product. They, they can make it closed source out of the blue. Like overnight, they can make it closed source. But but having a, a solid foundation behind your open source project can protect this project. And, uh, and the CNCF is such a foundation. Um, and we have transparent governance on this project. Um, maximum two votes from one company. So you don't have an entire red hat telling how to move this project forward. And I think this is really important also for uh, people that are using this and customers. Um, we, we have solid governance and I think that's so important in open source. It's not only about open source, it's also about the governance behind it. So um, yeah, uh, and Thanos are really part of the Prometheus ecosystem. 
uh, which is also really cool, a uh, really cool community. So uh, also check that out. Uh, this is also something I, I find really cool. Uh, we have 51 known companies to be using tunnels. And yeah, really happy that, that people are willing to, um, to place themselves as adopters for this product because I mean, there are a lot of people that are using it and this is something you can do back to the community to give something back, like uh, say, hey, we use it and we love it. And um, yeah, so, so thanks to everyone uh, who adds, uh, adds themselves to the adoption page. Um, if you haven't and you're still watching this and you know that you are using tunnels, so uh, <laughs> please add yourself to the adopting uh, page. All right, uh, the features. So I've discussed this before. It's the global query view. Uh, it's really nice to have. And I will go into details about all these features, by the way. Uh, but, but we can do a global query view with tunnels. Uh, unlimited retention. Uh, basically, what we mean with this unlimited retention is that we, have, we are using the object store. And this means it's really cheap, really efficient. And it's basically possible to have a very long retention, basically unlimited, which still keeps working. It doesn't matter how much data is in there. And it's also much cheaper than a generic volume or anything else. The Prometheus compatible part is that uh, it's, it's basically using the same APIs as Prometheus. So you can add tunnels. Uh, as a data source in Grafana, just the way like you did with Prometheus, which is really great. And the downsampling and compaction, I will get back uh, on that feature later. And well, the entire tunnels project is, well, it consists of multiple components. Uh, it's one binary, but you started with a different flag. Um, in, in this presentation, I will go over the four important ones. There are more, uh, which you can extend like your, your tunnels and observability cluster. Uh, I, I just didn't think that would be that much relevant for this uh, talk right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's a sidecar query store and the compactor. Those four I will go over and that should give you like a decent view about the capabilities of tunnels. The other parts, you could definitely check it out on our uh, website and the readmes and stuff like that. Um, let's start with the sidecar. So the sidecar gets deployed alongside with the Prometheus instance. And this is really neat because if you already have like a Prometheus setup, you can just apply this sidecar and you don't have to make um, a lot of changes to your setup. You just have to add the sidecar. Uh, which is really easy uh, and doable. And with the sidecar, we can optionally upload data to an object store, which is also really great because you're, you're not required to have an object store. You're not required to have long-term metrics. If you only want like a, a unified way to make queries over all your Prometheus instances, you can use tunnels and not be limited by having like a huge feature set that you aren't using, you don't have to use it, which is, uh, I think, really great. It's it's the plug and play part that's really awesome. And then we have this uh, query component. And with the query component, we can 
query data to our uh, well sidecar. Basically, every component on Thanos implements a store API, um, which allows components to talk to each other. And we can hook this query component into our sidecar and we can fetch all the Prometheus data. And uh, I'm just going over these components, but I have some examples later on. So um, understandable if you don't really follow each component right now, but you will later on. And the compactor is uh, quite a unique thing because we ship data from Prometheus to our object store. And with the compactor, uh, normally Prometheus like compacts the data every uh, certain amount of time. But since we ship our data to the object store, uh, Prometheus haven't had a chance to compact it already. So that's where the compactor comes in and it will compact your data on the object store, which saves you some uh, storage. It's also responsible for downsampling of data. We, we got a question. We got a question. Right. Um, uh, you mentioned Thanos is plug and play. Are there any yeah. pitfalls or downsides to be careful uh, when adding on Thanos? Um, oh, good question. Um, to be honest, I, I don't really think so. Um, I think there is like one requirement is that Thanos if you want to use uh, long-term metrics, uh, so you want to ship your data to the object store, this requires uh, disabling the compaction of uh, Prometheus. So if you want to use uh, the long-term metrics, you have to think about that, but it's not really a that of a big deal, but just using the query component to have a unified way to query all your Prometheus, that's definitely plug and play without any red flags or anything, yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, I've went over the compactor and yeah. So this is like a typical highly available setup on which you can start with. Um, at, at this point, the only thing that we have is like an extra cluster, uh, but you can do this anywhere to be honest. In, in this monitoring cluster, we have Agrafana and two query components. You can have one or 10 or a gazillion. Uh, I don't care. Uh, it's, it's stateless. So you can just scale up and down whatever that you like. And on each Prometheus, we have a sidecar. And as you can see on cluster two, we have uh, multiple replicas of Prometheus. And from this, this central monitoring cluster, we can query all our uh, clusters. We can query- One thing, one thing really yeah. quickly, because you mentioned it's stateless. If it were stateful, or are there folks that are doing it statefully? Um, now, basically the query component um, doesn't have any data. Um, the data is on Prometheus itself. And the, so basically the only thing that's stateful uh, in this picture here is Prometheus itself. Okay. And what you can see here is that on cluster two, we have two replicas of Prometheus. And this, this allows us for a high available setup. But, but if you remember, like uh, both Prometheus have the same data. And so we might have the same challenges as we had with Prometheus itself. Like it was one of my first slides about uh, talking about the limitation of Prometheus. 
Um, so how do we deal with this having two Prometheuses and doing query on here? And this is really the awesome part, I guess, is that the query component does uh, live deduplication of the data. So you can just query, even if you have like uh, 10 replicas, if you input a label on which it uh, should do a deduplication of the data, you just have like a unified way of showing this data. So if one Prometheus goes down, it's missing data for an hour and it's back online and you do a query, you won't see this gap because this mm -hmm. query component um, just deduplicates the data. If it's missing from Prometheus 1, it will get it from Prometheus 2 and it just make one uh, unified way to show you the data. Yeah. Uh, and basically, this is where you can start with. Uh, this works really easy, really well, and you get so much benefits from it by only adding a sidecar. One thing really quickly to follow up on the sidecar, which is the best approach, question from someone in the audience, which is the best approach to run Thanos with Prometheus on high availability? Is it sidecar or as a receiver? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a really good question. To be honest, I'm not really discussing about receiver at this part, but um, I think I have a, a graph of this uh, somewhere in the slides, and I will get back to that question uh, on that slide. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's data on community, so we have to talk about data, right? Um, object store. So these sidecars can actually upload our data to the object store. Um, this, this allows us to um, lower the retention of Prometheus. Like, like I said before in the previous slide, the only thing that's stateful at this moment is Prometheus. So if we can lower the retention, the amount of data that it has to keep for a certain amount of time, um, it, it's, it's, well, cheaper. Uh, it's easier to use. Prometheus starts up much faster because it doesn't have to load every data. And we can just push every two hours, the data gets pushed to the object store. And the, the query component still just um, queries via the sidecar to our Prometheus to, to get the data. But, but at the moment, we still can't query the object store data. And this is where the store component comes in. So for the long-term storage metrics, which are available at, at the object store, um, we go through the store component. And the store component is basically a, a, an API gateway for the query component. So what happens is that, uh, let, let's say I, have, I want to know the last five minutes of my state. Uh, it will go through the sidecar. But if I want to know the data from the last two months, it will go through the store and fetch the data from the OPEX store. And uh, I mean, this allows us to use the OPEX store as a really cheap way to store massive amounts of metrics uh, for a very long time, very long retention with no penalties. Um, and this is also where the compactor comes in because the compactor is also hooked into the OPEX store and it will provide um, already downsampled data. So let's say I have data from one year and I, I want to plot this data. I'm, I'm not going to plot every 10 seconds in my graph for one year time of data. I mean, that's, uh, I'm not doing the math, but that's a lot of points. And basically, Prometheus of tunnels actually 
compacts this data already and downsamples this data to have really fast queries for these, these long-term uh, graphs. So it's already pre-calculated on how to do this. Uh, this actually means that you have more data because we are creating new sets of data, but it means you can really uh, query really fast over long-term um, metrics. It's really awesome. Yeah, and we can, I talked about that plug and play part, right? And I mean, we can go pretty nuts on how to set up your components uh, because now I have two clusters, but on cluster two, I've added a query and I've added a store and cluster one only has a sidecar, but from our monitoring cluster, I can query both clusters and cluster two has long-term storage. Uh, cluster one doesn't have long-term storage, uh, but but this works. And as you can see, we have a query component talking to another query component, which is talking to a store. Um, I, I mean, uh, this is one of the things that, that I really like about the, the tunnels aspect is that, um, yeah, you can do whatever fits your own needs, um, which is, uh, I mean, I, I really like this. And oh, like I said, we can continue this. So uh, imagine this is that you have an observability team, but you also have uh, an application team. And that application team wanted their own Grafana. And we can do this. Uh, we can have one monitoring cluster with our Grafana, and we can just provide another Grafana with a query component, and they only can see their own cluster. And from our monitoring cluster, we can see every cluster. And this is, uh, yeah, this is really useful. And you can set this just the way you want it. And even if you want to, um, you can hook cluster one to the long-term storage and you add a store to cluster one and you can still do this as well. Uh, yeah, basically that's the wrong slide. Uh, and we can, continue this, like we, we can set up our monitor cluster to uh, cluster one. And from cluster one, you can also see cluster two. And, and basically we can just keep chaining these things just depending on our requirements. And especially in enterprise organizations, the, these kinds of uh, role-based access and tenancy is, is quite important. And you, you can deal with this um, by being able to change things and reuse certain components. Uh, th this is the part about uh, the receiver. I, I didn't want to include the receiver to this talk because it gets quite broad, but um, like I said, you can't go bananas. And th this is just a draft that has, I made like a while ago. And it just it shows that you can do so many things. Um, and basically, uh, it was talking, there was a question about Tunnels Receiver. Um, let me just explain what Tunnels Receiver is. Uh, Tunnels Receiver is a component that is uh, getting pushed metrics from Prometheus. You can use a remote write, which means is that it's Prometheus is writing its metrics to another component. And this can be um, Tunnels Receiver, but it can also be Grafana Cloud or... Um, 
I think AWS, Prometheus, um, or any other uh, enterprise solution, I guess you can push your metrics. And basically the question was, uh, what is better, the sidecar or the receiver? Um, I, I don't think there is, there is a better or a worse. Uh, there are just uh, trade-offs for each situation. So if you have external clusters that can't be accessed by your central cluster, you only have one solution is to push the metrics out of your cluster. So that leaves you to one solution and that's pushing your metrics out and using a receiver. Um, there is like one small downside on using receiver, which is um, because you are pushing, you have no awareness whether your services are up. So you are missing the up metric. You can't use it anymore because you're pushing that. So Prometheus doesn't generate the up metric anymore. Um, I think also uh, a receiver setup is uh, a bit more technical. So uh, yeah, I guess the learning curve is a bit higher, um, but, but there is no best. It it's really depends on your situation and what you prefer. Um, it depends on the amount of classes you have. Uh, there are a lot of variables that uh, goes into this. There is no definitive uh, answer on this. That was the question, right? I can't hear you. Uh, oh no, no, yeah, I think uh, I think you got it. Yeah, uh, if there's any follow up cool. on that, we'll we'll let you know in the from from what people are saying in the chat. But yeah, keep going. Okay, cool. Uh, I think my slides. Ah, so how can you get started? Uh, I've gathered some information. Like we have a website, and the website includes uh, quite a lot of information about uh, tunnels. Uh, and I also just want to say, like, tunnels isn't the only solution there. There is also uh, Cortex, which is like uh, I don't know the brother sister. Uh, I don't know how you have to see it, but uh, it's also open source. It's using some of the same concepts. Um, Cortex is also using parts of the Tunnels code base. Tunnels is using parts of the Cortex code base, and um, I, I mean you have to check it out for yourself. I mean uh, you can also use that if you want. Oh, uh, we have we do have a question from Benoit um, yeah. saying, "Is receiver the way to go for multi-cloud solutions?" Oh, multi-cloud solutions. Um, I, I think it would make it easier. Um, I, I mean, if you're talking about multi-cloud, I'm also thinking about okay, how do you deal with uh, network communication? Like, do you have like a, a private network between the clouds? Do you set up a tunnel? Because if you do, you can still uh, use the pull rather than you have to push. Um, uh, again, it really differs per use case. And uh, if you think that you are going to have some challenges with networking ingress to, to pull and access your clusters, yeah, then sure, use receiver. Uh, you can push your things and it might be easier, but then again, it might also be harder. So uh, you really have to check that out. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. So I, I want to show you the tunnels website, uh, lots of information. And uh, basically if you think that something is missing, uh, 
just talk to us on on Slack and or create a pull request if you think uh, uh, we had something wrong or you're missing something. Uh, definitely do that. Also check out the Prometheus operator. Um, I mean, it's easy to use. It also allows you to use the, the sidecar uh, within the operator. Um, yeah, that, that's quite easy to use. Um, I also want to point out the, the cube tunnels chart, um, which is basically a help chart, which includes, uh, well, tunnels. <laughs> and there are also a lot of community charts uh, related to uh, tunnels. Uh, I, I guess there will be a question about, we are to, what do you recommend to use? And the answer is, I don't know. Uh, because in our setup, I've created my own uh, Helm charts, which are specifically made for my use case. So I can't give you an answer on what to use, um, but but just please check it out and find something that works for you because that's, that's always the case. It's always use case dependent and you have to find the resources that work for you. Uh, I can't give you an answer on exactly what to use. Uh, another really cool thing, I guess, is Scott Dakota. Uh, we have a course for tunnels with uh, several scenarios, which goes uh, into certain uh, capabilities from tunnels. Uh, you will learn in a very interactive way on how to deal with uh, Prometheus and set up tunnels and how to do your queries and how it will look like. And so if you haven't started with tunnels or Prometheus yet, do check out this uh, this course because uh, I, I mean I I really like to learn while doing things and this course uh, really fits the bill there. Um, yeah, we're also on Slack on the CNCF uh, Slack. Uh, you can join us. We also have like questions and discussions on the on GitHub on our tunnels and, and just general our GitHub. Uh, is open for issues, pull requests, and uh, well, again, obviously, uh, our website uh, itself. And uh, yeah, demo time. I, I think we, uh, we we crossed the line uh, on the time uh, here a little bit. Did we? Can we do a demo? <laughs> well, we can. We can, definitely. Uh, it depends. Are, are there a lot of questions uh, or... Uh, any questions or should we move to the demo? Folks, let us know in the uh, the YouTube chat and then we'll get a better answer. I think what I will do though, in true product placement fat, oh, we're getting serious demands. Benoit refuses to leave his seat until a demo is done. He's gonna start a protest. Um, I will throw this out there though. Oh man, we're getting, oh, this is an avalanche of demo demands. This is getting intense. Wow, wow, wow. All right, what I'm gonna do though, for folks that are in the YouTube chat, I'm going to say this to you right now. I know this is a terrible, sleazy meetup thing to do, but we really do need your feedback even before the demo. Um, so I'm going to put in our, our form. It will take literally one minute. So while we are just getting set up with the demo, you got the Google form right there. Uh, Tim knows how well I handle Google Forms, so it's always a bit of a surprise. But please give us your feedback there so we can we can get a better idea about um, you know what kind of sessions you're looking for. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Tim's already worried that we've been hacked. We are, you are a hacker, so we may need your help on the Google form later. But yeah, like I said, check it out. It'll literally take one minute, I promise. Don't worry. In the meantime, we are, let's jump into the demo. We can see all the good stuff there. Cool. Uh, let's check. I've made a very lazy demo. 
because I've used the, the Katakoda and lesson one, but it provides such an easy way to show uh, what we are doing. And uh, I mean, I think this is a, a really awesome demo. Uh, and again, this course is something you can do yourself uh, as well. Uh, so check it out, katakoda.com slash Thanos. And uh, basically it consists of multiple uh, scenarios. Um, so basically the first part here is I'm going to skip texts of uh, every step that you're supposed to do and read everything. Uh, but basically the use case is that we have uh, two clusters. We have one uh, Prometheus in uh, the AU and one in the US. And we are going to start with uh, setting up, uh, well, basically this is, this is an example. We have uh, one in the AU and uh, two in the US. And we're going to start with some, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I think uh, I have to open for way too long. So after we start this. That's okay, that's why the demo. Yeah, live demos. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay, let's try again. Or it could be that uh, GitHub is having issues. Also. Ah, also. Nice. Okay, it's working. Um, <clears throat> so, so, yeah, basically we have uh, an AU Prometheus and it is uh, scraping itself. And then we have in the US, we have also got two Prometheuses and they're scraping uh, themselves and each other. And basically, I'm just copying the configuration files to these YAMLs. And, and definitely, when you're going to do this, uh, please read everything uh, instead of me just you now randomly clicking things. Um, so, and we're going to deploy uh, the Prometheus on the UU, AU side and one on the US and a second one on the US. And US one started, right. And basically, if everything went well, we have our Prometheus at the UU. And I'm just going to use the up metric. And we have ourselves here with the value of one, uh, which is nice. It means we are up. And let me open the US. And we're going to do up here as well. And as you can see, we have both instances on the US. Well, and let's continue. Right. Um, what we're going to do right now is to add the sidecar to each Prometheus, which allows us eventually to use the query component to query over all our uh, regions. Uh, yeah, and I'm just running this command. Again, there are a lot of resources on how you should do this. And uh, this is just basically uh, for the demo, not going exactly over the details, but basically what we are doing is, um, yeah, well, giving our, our sidecar an HTTP address and a gRPC address, which um, the gRPC are we using to query. And we're also uh, giving the URL to Prometheus. So it is aware where Prometheus is running. 
and basically that are the only configuration parts that you have to uh, to enter. And now we're also adding um, the tunnel sidecar to our monitoring configuration. And on our right, this is now, I can't change tabs, right. Thank you, Fensley, yeah. So in our job, we now also see an app for our sidecar. So we know that the sidecar is running, Prometheus is running, and the sidecar is running. And, and the same goes is for um, the US part. We have our Prometheus, and we have our sidecars. Uh, which is all nice and well, but uh, I still can't query over all my Prometheuses. And well, this is the part where the query component comes into play. And we are adding the query component. And what we are going to add to this, this query component is, is the location of our sidecar. So this is the store uh, flag. And basically that's it. Um, just run it at the store components where your sidecars are living or your stores are living. And that's it for the query component. And now if everything went well and it went well, um, we are now in the tunnels query component and we can see our stores. Uh, and as you can see, we have three sidecars. Uh, this is from the cluster AU and we have two of the US and this is a replica. And well, we can query this right now. And as you can see, I have now the data from my AU cluster and from my US cluster. And I mean, it, it looks really easy, I guess, uh, but eventually it, it is actually quite easy to uh, get started with tunnels. And yeah, that was the demo. I think, we hold on, we need some audience feedback about the demo. What did everybody think about the demo? All right, let's see, because there was a lot of curiosity. Now we want to see if you lived up to it. Tim says too easy. Too easy, yeah. I don't know. I disagree. Why make it hard when it can be easy, right? Agreed. Yeah, Tim. Nothing broke or went wrong. Well, he did have that difficulty in the beginning that he had to reset because it had been, you know, idling for some time or needed to be uh, reloaded. So I, I would say there was there was a defect. Yes, yeah, so that was a very transparent demo. Because um, we've had, but it's it's true, you know, we've had other folks come on here. Big shout out to, to Adam Sandor from uh, Styra. He did a demo a couple of weeks ago and had some he had some issues, but then did a follow up on it. It's no big deal. That's why it's a demo. Um, yeah, for sure. Very very good stuff. We are well. You already mentioned, you know, the links for folks that want to get involved. Um, we've we've crossed paths with some other people that have been involved in Thanos, specifically Sonia Singla, um, yeah. who I know has been involved there doing uh, doing cool stuff. So it's, it definitely seems to be a vibrant area with some really cool people. Um, so yeah, if, if anybody wants to get involved, you know, you can connect with, we are directly in, in our Slack or obviously the CNCF Slack. I'm sure Thanos has all yeah. their own, all their own kind of stuff. As with everything, if you, before getting involved, you know, obviously you've been here, so that's a good start. Take a look at the documentation. It's always kind of a good thing. Um, For sure. Yeah, that's always a good thing. Any other plugs or shout outs you need to mention regarding Thanos before we move to the final thought? 
Uh, I mean, I guess everyone at the Tunnels team, because I mean, everyone has been so friendly and lovely. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's really awesome. And also shout out to uh, Tim from Fullstack for uh, uh, introducing me to the, the data on Kubernetes part. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, Tim. Tim is, sure. Tim, Tim, is, Tim is so cool, by the way. Just yeah. a, if you don't know Tim already, you need to know Tim. Um, he's an amazing person. He's phenomenal. Tim's so cool that, uh, you know, we're big fans of music in the data on Kubernetes community. Tim's sister is an awesome guitarist and blues singer. So she's going to be uh, connecting with us soon too. Um, so yeah, if you don't know Tim, put a Tim in your life. Uh, he's an amazing, he's an amazing human being. Um, we are, we are almost at the end, but like I said, I got a couple of key questions. Can you stop sharing your screen? Um, yeah. just so if any of folks want to, uh, you know, take a screenshot to put on Twitter or things like that, that stuff's always good and welcome. But uh, we have a couple of questions that we're continuously going after with all of our speakers. And as you know, our community is focused on data on Kubernetes. And when we say that we're referring to, like I said, stateful workload, storage, operators, et cetera. Um, this is a big question, a paradigmatic question. Do you think that Kubernetes is ready to handle stateful workloads in production? And you know, can you say yes or no and why or why not? And what makes it possible or not possible? What do you think? As quickly um, as you can. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think Kubernetes can, but I, I don't think every team can, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Okay. And what do you, what do you, what's, what's the obstacle then in the sense of the teams? Well, it's actually quite complicated to deal with data. And so, so your tool has to be really well. Uh, but often you have to have a lot of experience and expertise on this. Yeah. And I've hosted databases and I like to think that I'm smart, but uh, man, it's, it's really hard. So if you have like these services that provide a database with replication and uh, insanely high uptime, why try to do it yourself? And um, yeah, that, so it depends on the, the critical part of your data. But I mean, there are so many cool solutions in Kubernetes and you can do really well. Um, but the database, for example, I mean, you have to have confidence and the right people and sure, you can do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good point is that some people might say it's a lack of trust, but in other cases, the lack of knowledge or experience, like you said. So the yeah. possibility is there, but what's your maturity level? What kind of experiences have you yeah. had? I think those are good things to keep in mind. Very, very good. If you are new to Kubernetes and the first thing that you're going to do is to run a highly available database from Kubernetes, then uh, I, I wish you all the best. And yeah. come hang out in our Slack because we have amazing <laughs> yeah. practitioners like you that will get you the answers you need. Um, True that. So yeah, um, but that, that's but I mean that's that's why we exist. You know that's why we're having these conversations. So that sure. this process, which is still a new thing, we understand that. You know this is in the initial phases of this still, but we're yeah. finding more and more you know end users that are coming forward and saying this is how we did it or this is how it works. But yeah. we understand it's challenging. So that's that's what we're here to do. Um, sure. Before we finish, as always, because um, we are, I believe you have attended uh, several. Um, data on Kubernetes live streams. You know that while we're doing this, we have a wonderful person who's in the background and his name is Angel, which in Spanish means angel for all of you who want to learn some Spanish. And so Angel is our artistic angel who's in who's lurking in the shadows and he is always creating beautiful works of art. So let me know, can you see my screen? Awesome. So Angel created this uh, during, throughout the course of the, the live stream. It's really, really cool. I like it a lot. 
We've got lots of nice stuff here. I particularly wow. like that he was able to get in the steampunk metal minion um, as a nice little shout out to the wonderful artwork that you have behind you. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. we will be we will be sharing this on on Slack, on Twitter, on everywhere else. Um, thanks to everyone who attended. I will be very curious to go over our survey results or from our Google Forms, which did work, Tim. Um, and the the demo gods were on my side today, as and they were on your side today too. We are. Um, so, so anyway, had some great stuff there. We've got, like I said, we've got some amazing energetic, uh, folks in our, in our, in our YouTube chat right here. We can continue the conversations on Slack. We are just very accessible. I love doing this. We're going to have to plan another one. Um, cause we've had stuff as well too, with, you know, on the side of, uh, we had, uh, who was it? Timescale came in and gave a talk about working with Postgres, but PromQL oh. also came up there. We also had something with um, Ops Trace. Uh, shout out to Sebastian um, and Prometheus is very prominent there. This is the first time that I think that we're really touching Thanos in this way. So it's something we'll be able to keep in mind for future live streams. But, uh, but once again, we are. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you to our wonderful audience. Uh, we will have a wrap video next week featuring various references to metal minions, possibly a middle finger, um, possibly some Top Gear. We didn't get to talk about We Are's dog, whose name is Loki, um, who is three months old and sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, uh, We Are, thank you very much for your time today. I think yeah, it's thank a you. very, very successful live stream. So folks, we will see you in Slack. We will see you on Twitter. Remember, we got our CFP up for KubeCon. We Are, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye, everyone. Cheers.